Welcome to the Georgia Fintech Academy podcast. The Georgia Fintech Academy is a collaboration between Georgia's fintech industry and the University System of Georgia. This talent development initiative addresses a massive demand for fintech professionals and gives learners the specialized education experiences needed to enter the fintech sector. Hi, everybody. This is Tommy Marshall, the executive director of the Georgia Fintech Academy. Welcome to season two, episode 17 of our Georgia Fintech Academy podcast. Today's June 17th, 2021. And I, um, we've got a special show lined up for today. I brought back two of our remarkable alumni from of the Georgia Fintech Academy and also of Georgia State, Jonathan Pinder and Minas, Minas Johannes. Welcome to both of you. It's great to see you. It's great to have you back. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. Um, I, uh, you're, you're two of my favorite people. I, I wanted to do this show because um, just we we haven't we're just at a point, you know, with the, the history of the Georgia Fintech Academy where we're, we have now alumni. And um, you all were so supportive of me in my first uh, year as the executive director. And you all are both um, remarkable people and have had uh, great success in the first stages of your early careers. And uh, and so I thought it'd be fun to, to have a discussion with you all about um, how it's been going, uh, have you give some advice to these uh, rising seniors that uh, that we're go- about to start working with here in the fall as they begin to search for uh, opportunities in the fintech industry? Um, and then, you know, we can talk about um, what's going on in the industry as well. Uh, so, so, Jonathan, maybe we'll start with you. Um, just g- give us a quick take on uh who you are, where you're from, what you're doing now. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so my name is uh, Jonathan Pinder. Um, originally grew up in the Bahamas, went to uh, Georgia State University, finished my degree in computer science. Um, shortly thereafter, I started at BlackRock here in their Atlanta office. Um, I work on the their Latin client services group. So we're a client facing group that um, supports our Latin clients. And I work specifically on a lot of our newer um, technology offerings that, that our day-to-day clients use. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And you've been now at BlackRock for a year? Just under a year. Just, Just under, under a year. year. It's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm really flies. Um, and then Minas, tell us about you. Uh, hey, I'm Minas Johannes. I'm originally from Asmata, Eritrea in East Africa. Uh, grew up in Atlanta. Uh, started my career out, outside the FinTech Academy at FIS. Um, great company. Got a chance to really learn a lot there. Started as a software developer. And I recently just transferred to Salesforce, where I am a technical consultant working on the American delivery team, delivering Salesforce to clients all over America. And you are also a fintech entrepreneur. Yeah. So uh, me and my illustrious partner, Daniel Hagu, who is also (laughs) uh, Tommy's right hand man, have been working on Ethiopia with along with our other partner, Michael. Um, Ethiopia is an innovative idea to help bring 
payment processing, uh, real-time payments, and access to stock markets and investing to the people of Ethiopia and the people of the United States to Ethiopia directly through your phone. The first thing I guess I want to get into a bit of was just how how has it been the first year working outside at post education, your first kind of first big job? How's that? Uh, what's that been like? How was that transition? Starting off, so it's been completely different. Like when you're in school, um, you know, days are pretty set. You know when classes are going to be. Um, your outside like activities are pretty are pretty clear. Um, beyond that, uh, when you move into like the actual working environment, um, yeah, it's it's a complete transition. Um, what I've found now is that the uh, the scope of the work I work on is really based on um, my interests and how I want to you know, engage. So that's been different. And then I guess beyond that, like the hours are pretty like set, you know, like most people tend to work like what, what is it? Nine to five, like eight to six, whatever your specific working hours are. But I think the scope is a bit broader. And then you feel like a lot of what you're doing is relevant um, to the day, as opposed to when you're in school, some of the academics could be very structured. This is very on the fly, new things come in every day. Um, and you just have to adapt a bit quicker in the working environment. Mm-hmm. And I know, um, you know, BlackRock's a wonderful company, you know, phenomenal history, growing like crazy. Um, I guess one I, I, I've got I mean, I know they they do a nice job of like helping um, campus hires come into the company. Right. I mean, there's quite a bit of uh, kind of a big bear hug they give you in many ways in terms of supporting you and helping you understand the job and the opportunities and building community right um how how did that work out how how did that play out for you yes i mean it's interesting because uh when i started it was like in the height of the pandemic everyone was working from home um i think in that sense the company was very engaged with how not only within our business but like beyond that how we're interacting with each other uh, we're kind of building on the company culture but i think that now that we're in that you know that hybrid that transitory period between um, working from home and coming back into the office. I think the firm has done a, a really good job with, you know, for those who would like to, you know, come into the office, you can, but also not excluding those who may not be able to come in as yet. Um, but like the bear hug has been really the same. Honestly, I think the the virtual onboarding was better. Obviously, I have nothing to um, compare it to, but it's been great thus far. And I can't say that I feel like the onboarding experience would have been significantly different had we uh, had we have been in the office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just I guess one last question before we come over to Mina's. Um, Aladdin. Yeah. There's. Uh, so, so for those of you that aren't familiar with all the reach of, of BlackRock, I mean, BlackRock's probably best known as the largest asset manager in the world. Um, trillions and trillions of assets under management. Um, the Aladdin is a really a technology software offering that that so it's I think of it as a kind of a, a business line within BlackRock that's really a, 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 a software technology offering to the marketplace and Aladdin as a capability is offered to 
asset man other asset managers <laughs> around <laughs> around the world and it the asset managers um it's really the go-to for asset managers that are looking for a solution to help them measure uh risk exposures of the investments they're making um jonathan how did i do I, I, I think you got there, but, but you missed a lot of it. I mean, I think to understand Aladdin, um, first of all, like it's obviously a best of breed model. Um, I think when people think of BlackRock, they think, you know, largest asset manager in the world, you know, think about all these trillions of assets. But on the back end of that, what's actually, you know, supporting that investment infrastructure, what's letting those people that manage those assets understand their insights better, not only from a risk perspective, but also, you know, executing in the market, like where does that fit in? And that's really where Aladdin comes from. Um, I think another interesting like aspect that you have to think about it is, you know, BlackRock uses Aladdin. Like it's it's not something that's like, you know, sold externally and they don't use it. Like we actually use it. And then yeah. beyond that, think of like many of large asset managers also use the software. They understand the value within it, the value proposition. And I think that's that that's something that that's important to also note. Mm-hmm. And it's constantly evolving. Um, if you like, you know, Google Aladdin, you'll see tons of new news about, um, you know, some of the movements that we're making within ESG, within the cloud, um, some of our um, strategic partnerships there. So yeah. I think you have to think of Aladdin not so much as a business, but as an organism that's growing very fast and rapidly and in many different areas. But at the same time, it's still delivering that same value that it did from day one. Yeah, I noticed the new um, offering with Snowflake. That yep. that was a big press release around that a few a month or so ago. That was looked very exciting, um, and um, that was that was cool. Um, Minas, how about you? Like, how's the transition from school to full time work uh, been for you? What's that been like? Um. Like Jonathan, I started in the the height of the pandemic, so it was really an adjustment going from your senior year of college and going straight into the workforce, you know, not really that much of a time to enjoy graduation and things like that. But we got I got a chance to start at FIS and it was really a great experience. I was a software engineer, so I came in on the capital markets team working on the UI to help clients buy stock at their at their rates, whatever they needed and get things done. So I got a chance to learn a lot of great skills went and really develop my programming skills to be able to understand finance, to be able to get good at learning the nuances of producing, you know, technology for a major company. And then um, I got an opportunity to move to Salesforce, which uh, I took kind of for a strategic reason. Um, Being in finance, it gives you the ability to work hard with code and learn the ins and outs of things you need to be able to do and going to that software as a service side it was a really great example of how you can grow technology to a major major scale to be available from anything from smb businesses small medium businesses all the way to your larger businesses like apple and at&t so i, I got a really great chance to experience that um seeing how software can be used in all different facets. So the one thing I really enjoy at Salesforce is just being able to see all the different organizations that are using it and how we can plug, how you can plug and play it everywhere. And sort of the goal I was looking for at Ethiopia 
it's the same thing that Salesforce is offering now that just that software as a service model is just so huge and so powerful. And now I'm getting a firsthand chance to experience it. And hopefully, you know, we're going to be able to grow Ethiopia to that size too. So it's all tied in together. Strategic planning. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I mean, and, and Salesforce has become a very significant um uh, platform for the the uh, for launching a variety of different financial services uh, capabilities and products. I mean, one notable example I, I'm familiar with is a uh, is the company called Encino, um, which is a, a a cloud banking platform. Uh, in its in its initial iteration, was very focused on commercial lending, um, origination, and servicing. And I know it's expanding. is expanding beyond that, but the everything they do is um, driven off of a, a Salesforce development platform. Um, Mina is like, as you've been working with Salesforce, do you find yourself engaging with the like financial services related clients, or is it really been? kind of across the board so right now i'm kind of in the smb market so we don't really get a lot of yeah um, okay. heavy fintech clients but i do get a chance to work closely with um clients financial systems mm-hmm. so we are able to see a lot of the same things i was seeing at fis and just you know uh <laughs> i'm a technical consultant now but it's uh right back to software engineering once they figure out you're gonna code so i'm getting a chance to this be able to see like the, in, the ins and out of small businesses right now. So understanding what makes them work, how they produce money, where they produce money, everything from the sales process from A through Z. So it was a really interesting experience. Um, yeah, that's cool. I'm excited for you. Um, I want I want you to make sure I have give you all both time to. Um, give advice to these uh, rising seniors that we're going to have coming into the FinTech Academy program in a few months who are going to be looking for jobs in the FinTech Um, You know, there's we're doing more than ever as the FinTech Academy to try to get those um, students introduced to variety of companies of really all sizes from the very large to startups um we've got the career fairs we're running every month we're doing you know student events uh every single week with all sorts of great companies coming in and participating um but wanted to just you all have really you know obviously gone through this process of um of finding great jobs in the industry and um you know what? What's your advice to uh, to these rising seniors? Absolutely. So I think um, I'll jump in here. I think initially, when you're looking at um, a company to start with, I think that you know getting opinions from as many people as you can is probably best. And I think that speaking to people that work at different companies is probably a good idea of getting more of like an inside scoop of what what you're getting into. Um, That's more of like the surveying phase. I think after that, think about like what what would your long-term goals want to be? It doesn't necessarily have to line up with exactly what you want to do, you know, in the next 10 years, but do you feel like this company is a good place um, for me to like grow um, as I start my career. Um, and I think like beyond like the, 
you know, the intangible, some of the more tangibles would be you have to be as prepared as possible to deliver value from day one. And if that's in a more technical role, I think you should spend your senior year um, picking up as many skills as you can. Um, programming is not going to go anywhere. It's it, it's definitely going to expand. Like, make sure that you're being a value add uh, from day one when you join your team. And that starts with like your business as usual, ensuring that you're one of the top performers within your role. When you get in, you understand exactly what it takes to succeed in that role. And then from there, you know, things all kind of start to fall into place. Jonathan, is are there one, one or two things that you felt really kind of clinch the deal for you and BlackRock like that you feel like really kind of put you over the top and and got you the kind of selected for the opportunity um yeah so I'd have to say like in my in my interviewing uh process because I did intern there I think what it probably was was my strong interest in fintech and i think that that came from my school involvement um i think you have to not restrict your thinking to what you do day to day like for example a class that you take but maybe some of the activities that you're involved with outside um i think something good to do you get involved with the fintech academy you write articles and you know you know the top news within fintech that's one way but also a better way is you know i'm very interested for example in you know, like financial markets, maybe I could build something that pulls in data from like some sources and build like a dashboard. So I think that not only having like the interest of being able to talk to talk, but to some degree being able to walk the walk and understand things from not a 10,000 foot level, but maybe a bit more granularly is something that, you know, is of interest when you start a new role, when you're interviewing for these roles, because people can understand that you're interested beyond, um, you know, very high level, like, what is it? Um, That's like in payments, for example. Like today, if I was, you know, interviewing for payments, you know, most people that come into the interview would give a very high level of view, like, you know, this is what FIS does, like, this is Bitcoin today. But if you come into that meeting and you have a good idea about a very, like, esoteric part of, like, Bitcoin infrastructure that you've worked on or you have, like, some thoughts in, I think that differentiates you. And that's only given by exposure. Yeah, so just showing a depth of understanding beyond reading the headlines and following the news a bit. Yeah, no, that makes good sense to me. Um, so, um, Minaz, um, how about you? What's your what's your um, experience been like? And um, and Minas, I'll just note you might have to come off mute. Yeah, there you go. Um, Minas, what's your experience been like, or what's your advice? Uh, I would, um, speaking from somebody that didn't have an internship going from their junior year to senior year, I would say take advantage of, of your time. So, like Jonathan said, learn how to code. Uh, if you if you want to do something technical, I would advise everybody learn how to code. It's a great skill to have in your back pocket. Um, take your time, do projects, find things that int- interest you, and write code about that, and build that skill up. And then use LinkedIn, use your social networks, uh, use them use them wisely. Go on there and, and network with people. You know, in this day and age, uh, the people who are prepared on LinkedIn. Before the pandemic, we're just kind of, you know, our opportunity met preparation and they were just, they took advantage of it. So that, that's, that's the two biggest things. Like I say, have, have a useful skill 
you know, what would you pay yourself to do is a motto I try to live by, um, especially in the, in the job market. So when you get to a job, would you pay yourself to do that? Would you pay yourself to write code? Would you pay yourself to be a financial analyst? Would you pay yourself to be a business analyst? And network, network hard and be able to talk to different groups of people. Don't be intimidated to reach out to somebody just because they're a senior member or a mid-level member. Take, take your chance and, you know, put your best foot forward and let them know that you're serious about your career and you want to be in this industry read up on articles be able to bring meaningful conversation because people want to work with people that know what they're talking about and that are you know personable so it gives you a better opportunity to get insights on everything before you even start applying for jobs and then when you apply for jobs you know reach out to people that work there go on linkedin see what the recruiters say Give yourself, give yourself the most preparation you can. So when you go on a job interview, it's um, you put your best foot forward. Yeah, the um, I, I I heard you both say relationships matter, networks. Um, you know, get it, get advice through those relationships. Um, what uh, I, I'm drawing attention to that because I know when I'm having one-on-ones with different employers, fintech employers that we have engaging with the fintech academy, you know, I'll I'll often ask them what's most important to you um, in the recruiting process, and they'll say most will say we are looking to really start a conversation, a relationship with these students. So it's the ones that almost all they're all very good that you know they're they don't look at recruiting as a transactional thing like they don't look at it as oh we're going to host an interview day you're going to come in we're going to grill you and then we're going to make a decision they look at it on a spectrum of time where they'd like to kind of meet you get to know you a bit over time um and then you know there's some that will look to begin that relationship even as early as the sophomore year. <laughs> um, and there's some that will, you know, look early and early part of the senior year to start that kind of dialogue and relationship. Um, and then that progresses to a point where, yes, there's an interview and yes, there's a decision process. But um, there's really a strong desire to really understand you all, you as the student at, or the, the candidate Real, as fully as possible. Um, and um, I, I, I mean, I love hearing that. And then I also think your advice is well positioned and what you're saying that in order, you, you, the students got a lot of, to do um, to really engage and help build that relationship. There's a, there's a responsibility there. There's, and there's initiative that needs to be taken to, uh, to really make that, make that work. So I think that's good advice. Um, well, I want to um, pivot us a bit to talking about what's been going on in the fintech industry over the last um, week. Um, there's been a variety of big announcements. Um, Jonathan, I'll start with you. What's caught your attention? Yeah, so I think... You know, for for the past few months, you know, cryptocurrencies has been top of mind for many yeah. people, um, especially cryptocurrencies like you know Dogecoin and and the like, um, based on you know some of the celebrities that have uh, voiced their opinions on them. But I think uh, from a more, I guess, 
you know, country perspective, El Salvador has launched what some people term a Bitcoin experiment, but it's a way of making Bitcoin legal tender um, in the country. And I think that there are like, you know, three three ways that, you know, we could look at this. Um, th- there's an interest in mining around their geo- geothermal capabilities. Um, there's also an incentive for uh, or at least a thought that citizenship could be gained um, for investing in Bitcoin. Um, but I think beyond that, I think what's interesting is it's almost been blanketed across the country where Bitcoin now is going to soon have to be accepted through all merchants. And I think that poses a number of different problems. Um, but some of the thoughts that I think that I guess we could sit down and think about is, you know, for a country that's putting this into, I guess, production or it's going to start now. Um, how are they considering, you know, AML or CTF within the process? Um, I also think that, you know, the implementation of this is going to take a bit of time, but some of the more, you know, overarching global organizations are not necessarily lending their support. I know the World Bank rejected um, the request for helping implementing Bitcoin due to, you know, climate change aspects. So I think that, you know, as a headline, it seems interesting, like, wow, you know, this company is, you know, legitimizing this, this currency, but, you know, it seems to be being pulled in different directions. Like there are different problems that affect, you know, merchants, the climate, um, as well as the ecosystem down there. Yeah, it's, um, it was a, it was remarkable news. I mean, this is the first country in the world mm-hmm. to say Bitcoin's legal tender mm-hmm. in our in our jurisdiction um, within our borders. I I I thought to there's quite a bit of remittance volume uh, into El Salvador. It's uh, there's a lot of um, El Salvadoran citizens that are relying on relatives outside of Salvador to send money back um, to to support them to support those family members economically uh, in country. Um, and that that's one comment. And the second comment is the is the fiat currency in Salvador is quite volatile. Um, yeah. As is Bitcoin. <laughs> as yeah. Is Bitcoin. Absolutely. Um, so um, I mentioned the remittance because there are um, benefits to moving uh, funds over Bitcoin from a remittance standpoint. It, it costs less. Um, it, it's it's remarkably low cost to do transmission. And this is, I mean, Manos, you know more about this than I do with what you're working on with EDOPay. Um, but that... Um, so kind of that aspect kind of when I saw the El Salvador news, that kind of made sense to me. Um, what I um, what I hadn't thought much about was what you brought up, Jonathan, the uh, the, the mining angle where um, is there is there energy sources that they have available to them that could make their uh, mining and their country more. Um, you know, economically or uh, environmentally sustainable than the, you know, the the status quo mining, which is very energy intensive um, and problematic as a result. Uh, but th- those were kind of my main two reactions. I actually read that um, the Bitcoin community is trying to pull together some money to loan El Salvador to kind of fund its whole transition into Bitcoin. I think it's a huge opportunity for both Bitcoin and El Salvador. Um, El Salvador has had like a tricky 
relationship with political corruption over yes. his course. So yes. it'd be really interesting to see like how it will deal with this whole flip up. And, you know, like statistically speaking, it's going to be a, a banking nightmare for a lot of the banks in El Salvador with people pulling their money out, people investing their money into, uh, into Bitcoin so quickly. And just like um, kind of how Jonathan talked about that, that mining angle, it might be an opportunity for El Salvador to, to start a lot of new jobs. Now being this new official uh, official currency, there might be a lot of different opportunities and jobs open up in El Salvador for people in that fintech environment. And El Salvador, I'm not 100% sure, but they have some pretty lax tax laws over there. So it might be might be interesting to see the influx of you know right. American entrepreneurs going to El Salvador, even people from um, East Coast, you know Japanese, Korean, and Chinese entrepreneurs also heading into El Salvador to do business and see what the new outcome of it might be. You might see a new fintech capital in Central America pretty soon. Yeah. Absolutely. I, th- I think that, like, you know, just, just to wrap up here, I think, you know, when someone takes the lead on something, it seems like very weird, like, you know, what's going on here. But, you know, the, the idea that they're going to try to use 100, well, what they say is 100% clean, renewable energy from volcanoes to actually do the mining process. If this can be pulled off, you know, any other countries that have geothermal capabilities could probably incorporate this into their mining. But, you know, we'll see how it's executed that'd be cool like hawaii would just own every cryptocurrency it's all those volcanoes <laughs> i i uh this is interesting to me i hadn't thought about this geothermal option at all i'm not it's, it's really a game changer and then people even moving into like iot into everything right power in the world like it's going to be a, a huge shift now you have all the power and money being made in one place. <laughs> El Salvador, we might be borrowing money for them pretty soon. <laughs> um, what else, uh, Minas has in terms of um, fintech developments in the, this week? What's what's caught your attention? Um, Marketa, uh, which is a card issuing processor, had, went public and they raised over one point two billion dollars. So. Um, cool thing about Marketa is when I actually, we actually started up with Ethiopia, we looked at the difference between a lot of different payment processors and Marketa was one of them and Stripe is also another one of them. They're two very different platforms and, um, but they're both open API and a really good technology platform. So they do a lot of similar things, but they have very key big differences. And Marketa is actually one that has experience in the fintech area uh, i think it's a decade old so seeing them coming to light as not being one of the major major um, fintech companies and having that experience and being able to break with this ipo is is a really interesting concept because now you're, i guess you're starting to see the businesses that put in the work in the 10 years and 12 15 years are finally getting their due diligence and they're bre- they're breaking the mold instead of you know your top five financial companies making all the money, you're seeing these companies that kind of started from the small user base and working a couple of big clients and then moving on to breaking like 1.2 billion. So it's really impressive. Yeah, the Marquette is a really interesting company to me. The uh, cloud-based processor uh-huh. issuer as well. And they, um, I know Square, 
is a huge customer for Marcata. I think is their more than 50% of the mm-hmm. revenue comes from Square. Um, so, which is, I think, also a very interesting relationship. So it's a, it's a processor that's going to, I think, has a strong future outlook. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to develop clients, new business, et cetera, um, with that that uh, the base they built for themselves. Yeah, everything everything in cloud now is, is changing the landscape of fintech. You're starting to see people who beforehand would have to start a business and needed a, a huge firm to back them to give them all the resources can now you know start out their, their house which is you know AWS and a couple of lines of code where you can get you, you can get a lot of good stuff into the air and and gain so yeah. it's really interesting to see these smaller companies. I think they're they're Oakland based. So it's good to see somebody, you know, in the in the Bay Area that's not, you know, Facebook or Google making some great news. Yeah. Uh the last item I'll mention is um Now Corp, which is a Atlanta based fintech that has uh, been supporting the small, medium-sized business payments and lending space um, for a while. I mean, I've now been operating um, successfully here for almost a decade, Um, but they have uh, closed a new funding round in the last week for close to $10 million. And um, they've also had a a close affiliation with Stacey Abrams, the 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 a poli- d- democratic politician fame um, ran for governor um, of Georgia um, three years ago, and um, there's uh, so so they did a big press release earlier in the week around the round and their affiliation with um, Stacey Abrams. So that's been exciting. I think they'll um, likely you know really look to use this money to expand expand the business do go through a nice new growth spurt so um you know continuing to see some remarkable fintech successes here in uh in georgia and this is just another good example well i'm going to close this out there um great to have you both with me today um as you know you are always welcome at the georgia fintech academy um i've got a fun event that uh, I've got lined up for us. Uh, I need to get it on your calendars uh, for our FinTech Academy alums for the fall. Uh, it's going to involve a certain, um, the, the Atlanta baseball team, the Braves, and uh, we're going to have a big time. So I'm, I, I'll, I need to get you the official invite so we can uh, get, uh, get squared away on that. So if I don't see you before then, um, the Georgia FinTech Academy so podcasts are available on iTunes and Spotify. To obtain fin- additional information about the Georgia FinTech Academy, please visit our website at georgiafintechacademy.org.